I'm Rajiv Chandrasekharan, and this is Upstanders, stories of extraordinary citizenship in unexpected places. On this episode, you're going to meet someone who's opened a gym. Not just any gym, one that's outfitted specifically for adaptive athletes, people with disabilities, many of them who were wounded in combat. The owner of that gym is David Vibora. He's a former NFL linebacker whose life's work is now helping to reinstill confidence in some of our most severely wounded veterans. I spent 20 years at the Washington Post covering war, crime, and government dysfunction, the darkest parts of America. Now I'm at Starbucks, where I get to tell different stories, stories about people making positive change. But first, I'd like to introduce you to Howard Schultz. He's the chairman and CEO of Starbucks, and now he's got one more title, podcast producer. Howard and I sat down together to talk about why we care so much about how veterans can have successful transitions to civilian life. For many of the extraordinary people who have served, the war in many ways begins when they get home. And for those who were unfortunately severely injured, either physically or emotionally, there's not a lot of resources or understanding of what they have gone through and how difficult the transition is. This is really a story about strength and in some cases unlocking it for those who've served, channeled by pretty amazing dude, a former NFL player who made a choice to want to devote his life to working with these people. This particular story is evidence of one person taking it upon himself to say, I recognize that I can make a significant difference in the lives of people who were severely injured, and I have something of value to share. This is a heartwarming and, unfortunately, heart-wrenching story. On one level, it's a story of an upstander. It's a story of a former football player that does something remarkable. But it's also a story that helps reshape our perceptions about wounded warriors. It may sound unbelievable because when you say, oh, yeah, I saw a triple amputee doing push-ups, they're like, what? Right. Yeah, I think the other thing that is hard for people to understand is the sense of belonging and community that has been created, that people feel they've attached themselves to something that's quite important because they're being seen and understood. And there's common understanding and compassion because there are many people who are going through the same thing. They're not alone. And their personal determination, it's hard to put into words. Now with the story, here's Sujin Pak. It was April 18th, 2011, first day of Passover. And uh, I mean, it actually was a pretty crappy patrol for me in general. Brian Aft was a Marine serving in Afghanistan. We were heading into the green zone in Kajaki, and to do that, you cross over the river, but we don't have an actual bridge or walkway to cross. It was just a really long two by four. So he sent his dog across ahead of him. I start to go across and I slipped. <laughs> hit the two-by-four, and then went into the river. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> but there was just one more ditch. So 
We're going across uh, the first like four guys in front of me, but uh, they start going one by one, jumping over the wadi. He turned to his dog. And I'm like, well, all right, buckshot, we're going to jump. And it's just, and everything goes black from all the smoke and dirt flying in the air. And it doesn't really, it took, it took a minute to set in that this was really happening. He woke up in Germany with both his legs amputated. I swear, absolutely 100% sure that when I opened my eyes, Kate Hudson was my nurse standing over me. If, I know it wasn't her, but it looked exactly like her. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> the military sent Brian back to the United States to Walter Reed Hospital in Bethesda, Maryland, right outside Washington, D.C. Over the next two months, Brian underwent more than 30 surgeries. Afterwards, he returned home to Texas and started the long road to recovery. And that's when he started abusing drugs. And you go and you tell them, hey, this still hurts. And they're like, well, I think you're abusing your meds. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go buy heroin. Brian had used heroin in high school, but kicked the habit before joining the military. His pain pulled him back to old habits. I'm using enough heroin to kill a horse every day. I mean, it, it, it wasn't good. I ended up having to check into a detox unit. Brian wanted to get better. He thought getting in shape would help, so he hit the gym. One day after a workout, he heard someone in the parking lot yelling at him. I jumped out of the car and I said, hey, you got blown up. He looked at me, looked up at me like, hey, man, tell me something I don't know, <laughs> right? Uh, and I said, hey, man, here's my card. I don't have a ton of time right now, but I really want to work out with you. Like, would you be willing to come down to my gym and work out with some other veterans, some guys that were hit over there, but just, just work out with me? That's David Vibora. He's the founder and CEO of the Adaptive Training Foundation in Dallas, Texas. David works with adaptive athletes, people like Brian, who are physically impaired by amputation or spinal injury. He uses unique methods to push his athletes to their limits. But before David became a trainer, he had other plans. Football was everything to me. Football had always been my dream, and suddenly I was playing in the NFL, living out my dream. Uh, but I think I had the wrong why. He showed promise from a young age, but he was far from a child prodigy. People would ask, Well, he's good, but is he good enough? Despite his success on the field, that question plagued David throughout his career. In 2008, he was the 225th pick in the NFL draft, dead last, earning him the nickname Mr. Irrelevant. He wanted to prove the title wrong. So his rookie year, he worked his way to starting linebacker for the St. Louis Rams. Things were looking up, but three years in... I suffered a traumatic shoulder injury, and it led to a very aggressive pain medication uh, addiction. He cycled through a cocktail of prescription drugs, Oxycontin, Xanax, so he wouldn't plunge into the depths of withdrawal. It was the first time in my life I had to look myself in the mirror and ask, who's David without football? He had no backup plan. All my cards are in this basket. And uh, as the wheels began to, to rumble a little bit and to shake a little bit, that's when I decided to cope by just numbing myself, trying not to think about it. At the end of the season, he checked himself into rehab. David got clean and retired from the NFL. 
he and his wife moved to Orange County, California, where he split his time between AA meetings and surfing. But he was still searching for his purpose. My wife looked at me one day and she said, I know you'd love to be a pro surfer, but but, but what are we going to do, right? And I said, well, I've always loved the gym. His wife's family lived in Texas. And so I said, well, what if we started a gym in Texas? That's a good place for it. God, family, football, Texas. And so we moved here. To Dallas. At the end of 2013, he opened a gym to train high-level athletes. When he started, most of his clients were Olympians and NFL players. But the following year, he met Staff Sergeant Travis Mills. And that's when everything changed. Travis is one of only five living quadruple amputee veterans. He lost his arms and legs when he stepped on an improvised explosive device in Afghanistan. I said, Travis, you know, I want to train you. And he said, well, do you have any experience? I said, no. I said, so it's perfect. Why, why start with a single amputee when I can start with a quadruple amputee? Let's just take it right to the, to the top here. Let's push the envelope. And so he laughed, and I think just trying to get away from me, he said yes, took a chance on me. Now he's able to do a lot of things people take for granted, like drive his daughter to school and shop for groceries. There's nothing Travis can't do. And, you know, what a testament to all people. Soon, David was tailoring his program to each client's individual needs. For veteran Brian Aft, this meant finding new ways to deal with pain. And uh, the first day, we spent a lot of time just experimenting with different exercises. And from there, we just built a program around it. Before Brian started his training, the pain was so severe that he couldn't use prosthetics. David was 100% for me getting prosthetics made. But, of course, we wanted to um, prepare for it properly, getting in really good shape, because it takes takes a ridiculous amount of core strength to work those legs. And the higher your amputations are, the more it'll take. After just four months with David, Brian started using his first set of artificial limbs. These days, his life is completely different. He's kicked his drug habit, found a girlfriend, and started school again for the first time in 11 years. My confidence levels changed. They went up way higher, and it all became a lot more feasible. I was like, man, yeah, this, I can do this. This isn't, this isn't impossible. I just knew that this was a calling for me. I said, wow, all of these people, veterans, civilians, there's people with physical disabilities, Somehow, whether it was they were born with it or um, they had a traumatic accident that, that made them that way, they've sort of been sidelined. You know, they fall into the rehabilitation process, but eventually insurance ran out, cash ran out, and where do they go? David got back into such great shape that the NFL came calling. The Cowboys called, and I'm speaking with my agent about the opportunity to go and work out right here in my city. My family's here. I mean, wh- What better scenario to return to the NFL? But things had changed. I text my agent and I said, sorry, but I'm retired. Don't get me wrong, the two-week paycheck of the NFL would have been a little bit nicer at that moment. But it wasn't about that. I found my why. David went all in. To keep his services free, he and his wife formed a nonprofit called the Adaptive Training Foundation. His gym would focus on high-level athletes, while David concentrated on the Adaptive Athlete Training Program. 
At first glance, the training center looks like an average gym. It has treadmills, vertical rowing machines, and punching bags. But if you look a little closer, you'll notice a few differences. It's my laboratory. It's my you know, place to go out and, and test hypotheses or methods, uh, unorthodox ways of, of giving them the cues to realize that they can go out and, and overcome. Most training sessions involve highly customized exercises. Some athletes pull a 150-pound sled with free weights added to it or toss medicine balls back and forth. Others build up their core by balancing on a surfboard or haul a PVC pipe filled with water on their backs. Kevin Trimble is a 24-year-old veteran and a triple amputee. Part of his training is flipping a massive truck tire. Good. Halfway there, halfway. The first thing that goes through your mind is, you know, getting your, your form right because it increases the amount of power you can get. And then as you pick it up, it's all just, I gotta get it under there, gotta get it up. I have one more set, I have one more set. Kevin joined the Army right out of high school in 2010. In September of 2011, while stationed in Afghanistan, he was also hit by an IED. At only 19, he had lost both legs and an arm. Hey, Kevin, high five. Realistically, someone who suffered my kind of injuries on the battlefield 20 years ago would never have made it out of country. Um, medical technology has come so far with just keeping people alive, like, just to get here. Kevin says you need an intense training program like David's to get the most out of today's advanced medical technology. With all the world-class you know, medical care out there, the great prosthetics, frequently there isn't, there isn't a kick in the ass, something that just pushes you to get going. It's all available. You just like, I can just go and get it, but there isn't a, there, there needs, there has to be, in my experience, has to be someone to push you to use it, like almost force you to use it and make, make its value valuable, like actually put it to its, its the use it's intended for. I was so happy that Kevin moved here and um, he is going to, She's just going to grow in so many ways. That's it, man. The purpose for me is offer them an opportunity to grow mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, growth and contribution. Kevin is from New Orleans, but he relocated to Dallas for David's program. He's not the only one. People from all over the country seek David out. At this point, David's worked with over 70 adaptive athletes, most of them injured in combat and he hopes others follow his lead. David wants to build his practice into a model program that other trainers can reproduce around the country to serve people who can't relocate to Dallas. My favorite definition of leader is by Napoleon Bonaparte. He says, a leader is a dealer of hope, right? Hope is a priceless currency. It's like water, you die without hope. And so I would swap leader with hero very easily. I think we all have the capability to be heroic, and we, we tend to marginalize our own capability to be that leader. We say that leaders are those who change the world, you know? We put it just conveniently out of our own reach. But as soon as we do that, we become the mass. And we lose that rooted capability to just pour into people and lighten someone's load, man. And that's, that's, what, that's what I care about. That's what I'm all about right now.
The story leaves me a bit speechless. I mean, he's unlocking this inner strength. He's giving others a chance to find that strength they had before they went to war. When you think about what that then leads to in the lives of these men and women, it's really powerful, isn't it? They also, as the story reveals, they all recognize that this is a place for them, a place to be understood. That sense of community has given them a level of self-esteem that they didn't have before it because it was fractured and taken away. That sense of belonging and new purpose in life. There's no sign whatsoever of bitterness, of sympathy. It's quite the opposite. It's uplifting and it's inspiring. Any problem that you think you may have, God, you better put that away because look at what is going on in this place and the the issues that they're dealing with and how positive they are about themselves, about one another, the spirit in there to help one another. That also, I think, was incredible to see, the pride they have in each other's success. This many years after the start of the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq, all these many veterans service organizations that have been formed, the hundreds of millions of dollars that have poured in for veterans-related causes, that there hasn't been more activity in this space, that it took a, a former NFL player who just by chance happened to meet Staff Sergeant Travis Mills, who sees this need. Dave would be the first one to say that he has benefited much more personally than he has given to all of these young men and women. His wife was there when we were there talking to me about Dave's commitment but also what this has done for Dave and their family, how much they've received as a result of giving back. The value of giving to another person more often than not comes back to you a hundred times fold. You really have to see David Vibora and his adaptive athletes, guys like Kevin Trimble, an Army veteran and triple amputee, in action. They're showing us feats of strength that'll blow you away. Check out videos that go inside the gym at starbucks.com slash upstanders. On the next episode, we'll learn how a car washing business is giving people on the autism spectrum not only a job, but a community and a new sense of life. That's next time on Upstanders. If you enjoyed this show and want to get the word out, the single best way to do that is to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to the show. And if you're really inspired, teach someone new how to download a podcast. It's easy. Sujin Pak narrated our story. Casey Holford composed our music. This is a Starbucks original series produced by Panoply with Fanny Cohen, Andrew Chug, Margaret Kelly, Whitney Donaldson, Jordan Bell, Anne Hepperman, and Rob Hebert. I'm Rajiv Chandrasekharan. This is Upstanders. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.